We're wasting our time. We're wasting the, our money. We're wasting our best brains. We're wasting our customers' money. And I think we do that iteratively for thousands and thousands of different products in the digital form that if only we could you know, consume some of these products, use tools like generative design, and you know, actually get the right combination of products, which is the expected experience for anything else I do in life. Mm. We all want that, right? And I don't think there's some, anyone in the room that doesn't want that. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wine, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. This is a special episode that we recorded live from the Advancing Prefabrication 2023 show. It was awesome to be with the innovators and change makers throughout the prefab and modular world. There's a ton of energy and momentum in the movement. Enjoy hearing the insights and trends around productization, data, communication, and so much more. Now, on to the interview. We are live at Advancing Prefab 2023 with the queen herself, Amy Marks. So good to see you and have you back on the show. Good to Thank pick you. your brain, catch up. I love it. I'm ready for this. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, Advancing Prefab 2, which is the seventh year. Yes, it's really exciting. seventh year. So there's been such this uh, this journey that Prefab has has been on from, you know, going to Prefab to, to productization to convergence to data to now, as you said in your keynote this morning, the the business model transformation. What has that journey really been like for the industry, and what's kind of the, the first step if somebody hasn't partaken in this journey so far? Yes, how I do think, they get in? Well, it's, when you say it the way you just described it, it's been a long haul, right? Like I feel like seven years of committed people, committed customers, committed, um, you know, technology organizations that exist and partners and even like influencers. It's been such a, a whirlwind over the last seven years. And we've seen things, you know, moving at a certain pace and then just accelerating, exploding over the last few years. I think part and due for COVID happening and just the need for acceleration. And also because, you know, just the world has changed in, in totality that people need new business models. So I think it's been the industrialized revolution has been going on for almost a decade now, mm-hmm. and it, it's really exciting. I think if people want to really get involved, you know, this year at Advancing Prefab, we did a Prefab 101, like a boot camp 101 for those people that are just brand new. And if you saw how many people raised their hand that have never been to the show before, which this show is the largest, I think, in the world around the topic. I was surprised by how many people raised their hand. I was too. Was a, like a third. It was Easy. a lot. And, yeah. and, and that's why the numbers keep growing and growing and growing yeah. every year. I was also surprised by the number of architects in the mm-hmm. room. So I went to a, a session right after, and I don't know, there were a few hundred people in it, and maybe 45% of the people in the room were architects. So in the early days, we only had a couple of architects now it's like, it's a big percentage actually here now. And yeah. I, I think if you want to get involved, you've got to start learning. You just start, a, you have to start meeting other people. And, and this is one of those places where they'll share their journey um, with you mm-hmm. so that you can really understand, like, are you ready for this? You know, do you really, you know, have the foundational skills and tools and technology and the right culture to transform? And that's really where it all starts. Mm-hmm. So when you say business model, I feel like that can be a really big concept to a lot of people. What do you mean by that? What should the the next kind of evolution of business model, what does that look like? 
Well, I always like to ask the question, what does your business want to be when it grows up, <laughs> right? And I think in any language that translates. Yeah. And every C staff person I ever talk to goes, okay, this is exactly what I want to be when we grow up. They know exactly how to answer it. So I think the question becomes, you know, we used to just look at ourselves in silos as like just a contractor or just an MEP sub or just an architect. And we're seeing because of convergence, those are blurring, the lines are blurring, right? I have mm -hmm. architects here that own fab shops. We have general contractors here that own fab shops. You have MEP um, trade contractors that are now getting up in front of the process that are partnered with our big owners and they're looking at how they can productize kits of parts directly with owners. Mm -hmm. So when I say that, it's like the way in which they've made money in the past has changed. And they're recognizing, I think, what's more important, the money that they're making today and where there's risk. And I think that's really interesting. When I've talked to some big outfits, you know, where they make money today, as things are becoming more and more connected, they may not have the ability to make that money because a lot of them are making money on where waste existed, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you eliminate the waste, they, they, they need to find a way to replace that mm -hmm. by using you know, more of their domain expertise and, and productizing that, either digitizing it in some sort of you know, application on, on things like the Autodesk platform services or to find a new product that they're making to smooth out the lumps and clumps in their business. They're just finding new ways to make money and they're recognizing risks where they have made money in the past. And I think that's, that's the best way I could describe it. Mm -hmm. uh, so with the, the business model, I, I feel like there's a potential hurdle that some people come across is the business model that the, the C-suite kind of has in their head right. is not the business model that plays out in practice and there's a disconnect there. Yes. How do you, sorry for the pun, but how do you bridge the gap between the, gap? <laughs> the what you think is actually or what you, you think should be the case versus what the boots on the ground are actually doing does that make sense? Yeah, I think alignment is key, right? Mm -hmm. So I, look, whenever you say, what do you want to be when you grow up? You have to take stock of what you currently are, mm -hmm. right? And where core Honestly companies, stock, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you, look, you know, like I, I would love to be a, you know, a doctor, but I have no training and skills in that right now. You know what I mean? Like you, you could want to be anything, but if you don't have the core competency, like, listen, my job is to get up and I talk in front of large audiences. If you don't like to do that, saying you want to be an evangelist is probably going to be more difficult for you. Right. Like, like I am. So I think you have to really take an honest look at where your core competencies exist, where you may have some fatal flaws and where mm. you can bridge the gap by either hiring a different set of skills mm. or partnering or going out to a third party for a different set of skills. I think that transformation under understanding of just being real with what happens and bringing that not just your perspective but from the field's perspective from your customer's perspective you know and really understanding a 360 mm -hmm. almost about your business yeah. um, not just the c-suite and what they think and believe but and I think also backed up by data you know anything you can measure that supports that conversation mm -hmm. is important right so because mm -hmm. things are really changing now yeah yeah you need the objective measurements instead of just it's subjective is great you right. need those viewpoints, but you also need it backed up. <laughs> it's true, and I think things like um, the Industrialized Construction Maturity Assessment is independent of all of that. So, mm -hmm. you know, we've partnered with Haley and Aldrich to come into these fabrication facilities and even to our general contractors and owners that want to assess their readiness for this, like where they're at in their maturity. That has been a big step this year so that, you know, you can actually understand where you currently are, not based on your opinion, but based on, you know, the six things that we're measuring mm -hmm. and, you know, where you actually are. And if you saw today, DPR actually shared their 
previous score and after they've implemented certain work you know that they wanted to do and where they've evolved that score to be over the you know six or seven categories yeah. so I think that's a big step in our space because you know so many times people ask me like who's good at this what architect should I hire or how, who's the GC that really owners ask me who's the mm -hmm. GC that really does this the best and it's like well it's somewhat my opinion of that like and the last time I interacted with them but having the ICMA is really a scorecard that you can go to and provide to people to let them know where you're currently really at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's kind of take a different viewpoint on sure. so manufacturing. It's coming in for sure into construction. What is the biggest thing that construction can and needs to learn from manufacturing? I'm going to say something. I don't mean this in a flippant way, but like we first need to learn what manufacturing is. <laughs> so I can't tell you like so many times like people are like, we got to be more like manufacturers. We got to be more like manufacturers. And one guy inevitably says, what's a manufacturer? Like what exactly, what does that mean? Yeah. That's like saying all the GCs that want to be like systems integrators. And then I go, great, what's a systems integrator? Yeah. Like explain. And they're like, well, uh, what? <laughs> you know, so I think first you have to really truly understand like what the current state of manufacturing is in mm -hmm. our country and other advanced you know manufacturing in our country and others and you have to understand like from others like what is the lingo what are some of the you know core premises of that like what are the core competencies of that mm -hmm. because again like if you don't know that and you're not willing to take a real look at learning how to do that well it's like saying you want to do something but you you, you, you can't really like understand what that is so right. I mean I, these things sound very basic but and most people kind of gloss over the basics oh yeah I mean <laughs> they want to jump right to like flying right like we right. go right to the like I want an army of robot dogs I always say mm -hmm. as a joke because it's like yes one day there will be an army of robot dogs first when you have one uh, you may want to understand how to feed it where it likes to play, how you house it, what electrical outlets you need in order to charge it. Like, we don't even know the very basic thing about the thing that we want to get to in the future state. Mm -hmm. And um, and no offense to robot dogs, I think they're amazing and will be a part of our future state. But um, I think we have to really think about, like, you know, what does that really look like? Mm -hmm. And there are people here, like, again, we're not inventing manufacturing. It's been around for a very long time. Like, if you don't have manufacturers in the room telling you what manufacturing is, first step is you should probably get some of them. You know, like you should probably no. get some people in the room that have this skill set. And I think that's the hardest thing. We're so used to working with the people that we know um, and the titles that we are aware of mm -hmm. and how they are paid for and what they do that it's almost like foreign mm -hmm. to us to like have these new roles and what the, you have to pay for these roles in other places. But again, like I think that's just, if you want to change, you have to be you know, purposeful about it. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got to really go out and seek that change and recognizing in your you know, understanding of yourselves that you may or may not have those skill sets. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if you saw in the keynote, I asked like, you know, how many people know that Autodesk has an entire unbelievable suite of manufacturing software. And I think less than 1% of that room raised their hands. Right. And it's like, why is that? Because they're seeking out what they know already in this mm -hmm. space. They're seeking out the authoring tools and they're seeking out the Autodesk Construction Cloud, and, and and they're not really like expanding their horizon. Look, you can Google Autodesk Manufacturing, and all those tools will come up. Yeah. But we no, have the to connection in the workflow between Revit and Inventor is really cool. It is it, very cool right now, and we're doing some really great stuff with our Manufacturing Informed Design mm -hmm. program that's over there now in beta, and they're doing some other great things around connectors and stuff at Autodesk and our APIs and the cloud information models between Fusion, Forma, and Flow to connect these industries together in the cloud. There's amazing stuff going on across industry where, again, the platform is being built every day, all the time. The back-end mm -hmm. work that's happening for it is pretty astounding. No. So it's just 
you just got to get on board mm -hmm. with it. And I think there's great things like, the, you know, we have hackathons around Autodesk platform services that you can take part in and, 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 and all these things that are really out there ready for you if you truly want to get on board. Yeah, so how do we start breaking down the, the silos and maybe what's Autodesk doing to not just on the technology side of things, of connecting those people, but, but getting the people in the room, getting the manufacturers and the construction people in the room to create those, those introductions. As you said, we, we work with who we know. Right. So if you don't know the manufacturer, that's a hard part of like, where do I even go to find somebody in this space? Right. Well, I mean, this might be somewhat self-serving about the show, but like, we have a lot of our partners here in that know manufacturing, like Kativ and you know, also like, I mean, you have Brian Nichols over there, you've got M-Suite, you've got all these partners, like you've got Titan AEC. These guys imagine it that work in the space of manufacturing. A lot of them have not come to the show in the past and now they're recognizing that their skill set is necessary where they would only usually work with the manufacturing customers, they're working here. And like you say, let's, how do we get them all in a room? I mean, I looked around today, they're all in the room here, mm -hmm. right? So I think Autodesk's um, ability to create some thought leadership in the space and lead these, you know, the ecosystem of industries, and mm -hmm. I think that's important, right? So I think you can't be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, we have wonderful things like our, you know, summits with all kinds of groups and, and um, you know, whether it's the, the CXC with our construction customers or the ones that we have for architecture or media and entertainment. But, you know, I think getting out here in the like real world, I hate to mm -hmm. say it like that, I think everything's the real world, but getting out and seeing hundreds of customers talking about it right here at this place or places like AU, mm -hmm. um, you know, or our partners at OTC, One Team Conference, Really seeing people face-to-face -face in, in a learning environment is just so critical. Mm -hmm. So I think aside from what we're doing technology-wise, which is, again, connecting the, in the cloud our platform um, with uh, Fusion Format and Flow, and also in our consulting business, by the way. Our consulting business is working with the bigs of the bigs around the globe, helping them connect through workflows, industry and technology workflows, helping bring in partners that have software and also consulting specialties to understand how you're going to get from one end of the platform to the other. And that's... That happens every day at Autodesk, um, where you're getting you know, specialists from all over the industries working together for our biggest customers, and even our, you know, our, our, our medium-sized customers, even self-serve stuff that's going on right now at Autodesk. There's something there for everyone if you just reach out and look for some help or ask for some help. Mm -hmm. How would you encourage people that are coming to the show to kind of harness the, the energy? Here, this, do you feel it's it? Oh yeah, for sure. It's, okay, there's good. a really good. I thought the keynote there was there was a lot of electric energy in there. How do they harness that and bring it home with them so that it doesn't? You know, a lot of times what happens at trade shows, people get super excited, it's they're like, jazzed up, and then they go <laughs> they home forget. and they're like, ah, blah. all right. Well, I'm <laughs> back to my day to day. <laughs> I'm gonna give you some very concrete things. I know you have a lot of MEP contractors that listen to your show, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we made a big announcement today that Building Connected for free. You can now go and refresh your profile because yeah. there are new things like the industrialized construction um, services and products and building types. So all the MEP contractors should get on there immediately and refresh your profiles because now people can literally look for you on Building Connected to see if you make electrical rooms, if you make you know yeah. multi-trade racks. Like, it's huge. I, I mean, yeah. I always say take one thing back to your home base. Mm -hmm. If you take one thing and one thing only for your audience, like take that one with you because now people can actually find the people that are actually making these things. Right, and back I think, to you work with who you know. 
And you, or you're just going to keep calling the same guy right. and the, or you call me and ask me, like, who makes this thing in Saudi Arabia? And I have to answer, or who makes it in Australia? Who makes it in the U.S.? Like, right now, we shouldn't have to do that anymore. You can go to Building Connected. You can say what it is that you make, and people can find you, and they can go out to bid for those things. Mm -hmm. So services, building types, and products. And I think you know, I had a lot of great help from around the, the, the ecosystem, like from NECA and MCAA and mm -hmm. lots of my friends that work in this space. I mean, I was like accosting friends of mine with my laptop at different shows, like, what do you think about these? And how do we change these? So, I mean, it's been a real team effort, I have to say. And, and luckily, the Autodesk Construction Cloud and Building Connected, um, I'm really pleased that they took it to heart and we put it up there for people to find what people make. So I always say, if you take one thing back, take that back. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, meet great five great people stay connected with them. I mean, you see, this is like old home week here, yeah. right? It's, it does have a feel that's very different than every other show. I feel like people ask hard questions and they get answers here. And mm -hmm. it's not like everyone, I'm not saying every show is like this, but I feel like sometimes it shows you get up there and you're like, wow, these people all do perfect stuff that was perfect every time, you know? And it's like, wow, I've failed lots of times and I'm not hearing, at this show, people talk about their failures. Yeah, we actually were talking about that with <laughs> Sam Hamilton came oh, in and I sat down and she was like, this person actually said that this didn't go according to plan. Right. And it was still a success in the end, but Absolutely. they showed like, yeah, there were some bumps and bruises along the well, way. <laughs> it's normal, right? right? Like, I feel like this show has that sense of normalcy yeah. where you have to realize like, okay, you don't you don't start on day one. Like, listen, when you're in Little League, you don't get up and play for the Yankees on day one. Right. You know what you I'm saying? You don't have to be like, a superhero. <laughs> no, and it, like, it takes a little bit of training, a little bit of time. And like, listen, I've struck out before, like in the business sense, more than a couple of times, I'd like to say. But I learned something from those times. And like, this show allows you to stand on the shoulders of those learnings, good learnings and bad learnings, you know, like how mm. to like dodge a punch. Right. And I think everyone here is really open and honest about it because look, you have, you have GCs applauding other GCs on main stage for the work that they are doing. Uh, it's like, cool. That's amazing. Like, right. I give a lot of credit to the guys here that are really trying to rise up and, and collaborate with each other and all the big owners that are here, I mean, you've got every big owner here that does, you know, the serial owners that build 30 of this or 25 of that. And they're literally, I think last year, Amanda Gillespie, you know, did a, a, a keynote with us and they were like, listen, if you're not working with Meta, raise your hand and come on over and talk to us. Like, I don't know any show where that happens. Do you right. know what I mean? Where people, they all tell me they get all their subs from this show. They get all their partners from this show mm -hmm. because people just ask here and they, and they, they'll talk to you at after everything. And, you know, I think that's just, that's the DNA of the show. That's the personality of the show, mm -hmm. I think, which is so great. Yeah. Um, and I hope it never loses that. Yeah. Well, I think that in large credit to you, that's your personality kind of <laughs> injected <laughs> in there. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I am somewhat of a challenger. I, they, I, I, we have agents for change at Autodesk and around Steve Blum's thought leadership, which is amazing. And, you know, I'm considered like a troublemaker. <laughs> There's ma like merry makers and path makers and dream makers. I am definitely, I always say, I am troublemaker number one. You know, like asking the hard questions, stretching us. and mm -hmm. But there's so many troublemakers around here. I actually feel like it's like these are the people that are truly making change. Yeah. So I feel like in some ways it takes on all the personalities of the amazing people that volunteer to talk at the, at the show. And it's great to see them on stage. Calling all innovators. In just a few weeks, you can attend a free online training event that could change your work life. BIMUP is for innovative construction professionals like you, offering over 200 classes from May 23rd through the 25th that cover BIM best practices, Revit, AutoCAD, and lots of other topics that can help improve the way you work. 
I think you'll get a ton of value by attending. To sign up, simply go to asti.com slash BIMUP. Hope to see you there. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been quoting you all day today because uh, it was you said something that was so simple yet so profound, and that's the the digital waste exponentially increases the uh, physical, physical waste. waste, and it's it's so true. I hadn't wrapped it in my brain in that really good little soundbite. Yeah. How does that resonate with with other people uh, along the way, and what's the what's kind of the the real world impact? I mean, I think that's the gist, right? Our CEO, Andrew Anagnost, has said productization from a sustainability perspective is probably the single most important thing you can do as a company mm -hmm. because assumption-based design is killing profits and it's also killing our planet. I mean, listen, once you start productizing things and you can actually have a data backbone around that skid or that rack and you understand the embodied carbon of it and you understand the energy analysis, that how it plays into the systems, you understand the best way it could be made to reduce the most amount of waste, mm -hmm. that's great. We want that information to live there so that architects and designers and engineers can consume that so that we're not making assumption-based design where there's post that assumption, a lot of cutting, a lot of you know garbage that's going into there. And plus, forget about that. We go to all these collaboration meetings to try to reconcile that you know geometric box that wasn't mm -hmm. real in the beginning, and we're wasting our time. We're wasting the, our money. We're wasting our best brains. We're wasting our customers' money. And I think we do that iteratively for thousands and thousands of different products in the digital form. That if only we could, you know, consume some of these products, use tools like generative design, and you know actually get the right combination of products, which is the expected experience for anything else I do in life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I always say, when I go on Amazon, it says, oh, you should buy these shoes. And then it gives me a suggestion like, you should buy these shoes, these shirt, and these pants, that makes an outfit. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. that's my expected experience. I'm like, wait, I should be able to search for like, I'm building a data center. These are the products you should think about using based on the, you know, the PUE targets that you have or the, ge the, the geography that you need this to be delivered in. And they should say, by the way, you should buy this product, this one, this one, and that. They all actually work in data centers and have, you know, data associated with their, you know, let's say digital twins asset one day. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think, again, we're talking future state, but I think, we all want that, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's some anyone in the room that doesn't want that. Like, if you looked at the architects that we're talking today, they're like, yeah, we could spend so much more of our time doing other things if we weren't worried about how to design fire stairs, you know what I mean? Or right. how to do something that really should be productized that we could just pick from the one that most meets our, our criteria, you right. know? So what's the, the friction there on getting to that expected experience state that we all, in our personal life, we would never tolerate? Ever. Uh, what happens, uh, you know, you said it in the, this morning on that you pick up the phone and you call somebody to call somebody to call somebody. Right. When you, the Papa John's, you know, tracking, you can see exactly where right. it is all along the journey. All the time. Why? What's, what's the friction to, that's stopping construction? I mean, I think at the end of the day, like currently people have set up their business models, which is what is part of the transformation I'm seeing to make money on that waste. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, my dad used to say on job sites when there were a bunch of MEP contractors looking up in the ceiling, he'd be like, uh, I don't know what's going on over there, but we're either making money or losing money. I'm not sure which at the moment. Yeah. And what he meant by that was like, somebody passed over some information from the design process into construction that was unclear. Um, you know, they, they didn't think about clash detection. They didn't think about that there was a piece of steel in the way. And I think, you know, building information modeling gave us a a way in which we could understand that in three dimension, but things like informed design um, are allowing us to see 
great. How does that eye in the building information modeling become more intelligent? Like, how do I know what combination of things and in what routing is the right way to do that for the right products? So I think, again, you know, I, it, it's a harsh answer, but people made money on that waste, right? Mm -hmm. My dad included used to say it. Or they lost money, depending on what side of the table you were on. Mm -hmm. And we have to stop doing that. We have to start making money where we have certainty and value for customers. And that means something different, right? Like that, that means you, know, you might not make money on estimating anymore one day if the criteria of these products is cost. Mm -hmm. Like what in your life do you ever, I don't buy anything as an estimate on this planet ever. Like think about it. I'm like, I know what everything I buy down to the penny is and when it's coming just about at this point right. before I decide to buy it, right? right? Like, and yet we have no expected experience that that's the way it could be. And by the way, we have all the technology to make that so. So I think it's about recognizing that, you know, some of that is based on people have set up their business models to make money off of waste. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to stop that. And I think the big owners are demanding that now. So they are not going to tolerate having to pay for waste um, when, again, they can't, they need the buildings for whatever it is that they're putting through those buildings. The building is just the vessel for their, the way they make money for whether you're a car manufacturer or pharmaceutical or a data center um, or a hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, they're making money on the services within or the products within those buildings, not on whether or not tile is seven cents cheaper. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? We right. have to sort of change the, and I think that the serial owners do drive that a lot at this point. Mm -hmm. And us as technologists, like we have to, we have to actually create workflows that eliminate some of that waste, that give people the option to go directly into the place that they need to map out the most effective process so that they can understand it from an industry perspective, what's the best way to do this, and then attach a technology stack that as we map it can then be, you know, we can eliminate steps we don't need, we can automate those things, and, and I think as technologists, we're all trying to make sure that we're doing that. So we have to also recognize where our value is going to lie in the future state, and I think we do, which is why we're looking at, you know, we've moved from a product company to being a platform company in the design make world, mm -hmm. and that's important. And I think, you know, we take that very seriously at Autodesk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then be able to clearly educate people and pull them along the way. Right. That it's, it's not that scary. You can do this, I think people try to, they see the whole elephant. Right. And they're like, oh, well, there's no way I can eat those so well. Exactly. This is huge. This is massive. It's going to cost right. too much. It's going to be, you know, totally devastating. Where if you kind of take it incrementally, right, quickly, because you don't have that much time. Right. You know, the, the race has already not, begun. But. I was like, it's not a journey anymore. It's a race. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. If you if you heard the keynote today and we talked about change, and I love Dan Miller's formula for change, which, mm -hmm. you know, change equals you know you have to have dissatisfaction multiplied by a vision multiplied by the first concrete steps of action, and all of that has to be greater than resistance. I mean, there's a lot of first concrete steps of action you can take right now. Common data environment, setting up your data to make sure that it's accessible and that it's in the right system, you know, you have the right architecture around your data for the new future state. That in and of itself is a great first step to, for people to make sure that they, their data is in a common data environment so that you can do some of those more advanced things like, you know, you want to make sure you have connected construction that is built in the cloud right now with the Autodesk Construction Cloud so that you can use solutions like informed design um, where you can harness the power of things like manufacturing information and embodied carbon information, right, with things like EC3 and Insights, our partners. I think 
That's important. You can start right now. You don't have to go too far, too fast, but you at least have to get your day. It's like almost like when you're setting up a desk when you order it from Ikea, as an example, like yes, any 12-year-old could put it together, but it's probably a good idea to open up the box and like make sure you have all the pieces and parts mm -hmm. so that you can build the desk. Like, And I feel like that's the precursor. Like, Common data environment is so important to make sure your pieces and parts are aligned in which so you can quickly build you know, to the next level of digitization that is mm -hmm. necessary. But without that, I'm just looking at pictures and putting pieces and parts together that it ends up looking like a, 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 like a chair, not a desk. Right. So I think we should make sure that you've got all the right, you know, pieces in place. Yeah, so when you're looking at that future state, what do you see as possible? Wow, that's, I mean, I believe in a world, you know, in the future state. I mean, I always say there's near-term future and there's long-term future. So which do you, which do you want to hear about? Long-term. Ooh, long-term, okay, that's a good one. So, listen, I believe the expected experience is just like I do things when I buy things off of Amazon on my phone. When I'm in whatever tools you're using, I should be able to access real-time data mm -hmm. and content that I can find out anything I want to know by setting the parameters that will filter and sort things um, that I can find, and I can understand why I should use them in what geo and what what um, things I should use them with. And you know, I should understand price and schedule, and I should be able to carry that data through the entirety of the process. I should be able to check to make sure as things change that it still meets the you know qualifications that I originally intended. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be a you know we're a 14 trillion dollar ecosystem that will be connected will harness the power of you know, commerce and, and digitization for the better of our world and for better business outcomes. And I think that's not possible without the platform um, and without you know, the cloud, obviously, and, and really understanding how that's going to work. And I mean, I get very excited for that, actually. I, think, I don't think it's that far away, to be honest. So if I had to think real, real long term, I mean, Listen, well, do you think that's like five, ten years? Oh yeah, away, I definitely. Or? In my head, like I can't imagine that takes more than that time period. So I think even beyond that, we're talking about like, listen, assembling buildings, you know, data being application independent, everything living in the cloud at some point, with the ability to compute things, mm -hmm. like an entirety of an ecosystem that's supported at a you know really secure, a trustworthy platform. Um, listen, I always say I have my Apple phone. I magically get places. I don't know who owns what apps on there, and I just know it gets me to wherever I want to go, which whatever work stream I'm doing, whether it's going to a restaurant, figuring out a babysitter, selling my house, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you'll see that there'll be a trust in the data like it's never been before, and I think you'll see real time, almost like magic, mm -hmm. how design make happens, whether it's about making movies or making buildings, and I think a lot of that will converge and we'll use similar technology and mm. you know a lot of the cross-industry pollination that it will it'll like this word of silos will be unrecognizable in like 15 20 years we'll be like what? Yeah, yeah that's no a no I one. believe that I think I don't think of like I think we will literally look at this and those words won't even come to our mind yeah. you know what I mean it'll just be about what we're able to achieve what business outcomes we're looking for how we do that um, and and you know I think there'll be so many more tools uh, I think you'll have suggested tools in places that you go, just like we do when we see other things. I think the payment structures, the contracting structures, the insurance structures will all be completely different in 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I truly believe that because I think everyone knows you can prefabricate all of these things and they can be productized. It's you know all the things around it that create waste or you know blockages from us being able to mm -hmm. do them. And I think those will get removed. Yeah. And I'm really excited for that. Nice. Well, switching away from the technology yeah. sphere, the U.S. rugby team is, is right next to us. I know this is something that you're super passionate about. Talk to me about the, the passion behind it and okay. why 
would the U.S. rugby team come to? Yeah, this is amazing. I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> so I played rugby for 15 years, women's rugby. And uh, my daughter plays girls rugby, high school rugby right now at the Morris uh, High School Girls Rugby in New Jersey. And four girls on her team weld. Four. And I was like, awesome. this is crazy. Yeah. And then I know a lot of women in the space. Like, I ran into a bunch of women rugby players over the years and men that play rugby here, too. But I was at a tournament, like, recently, knowing that four of the girls on my team weld. Mm -hmm. And it was right across the street from New York City. And there was, like, 4,000 college and girls rugby players standing out on a field. You know, look, they all know how to use a portage on. They all know how to do their jobs. They're tough. They're fit. They're strong. Um, they have a great, diverse population when it comes to, you know, things like sexuality and how they look at themselves. And they're powerful. They have great, you know, they, they have great body images. This is so amazing. And I looked around, and I was like, there's not one sign one sponsorship from any of the guys I know in construction and they're they always ask me every day how do we find more talent in the diverse and I'm like there's thousands of them sitting here right across from New York City and none of you are here yeah. so I thought wait a minute we've got to stop this because you know there are women in sea staff that played in or there's studies around the world that you know women who played sports are you know more likely to rise up to sea staff that are more productive at their jobs mm -hmm. and i thought man we've got to make this connection because they have all from little girls all the way up to the u.s olympic team they have women that they can connect you with at your local place like denver my friends there's tons of teams in denver mm -hmm. right that's like the mecca of you know rugby here in new jersey i have contractors that would love to get girls you know coming and, and young women coming out of these colleges that are taking mechanical engineering degrees yeah. We just didn't see them, right? So we didn't make that connection. Mm -hmm. So they're here, and the show nicely um, decided that they would connect with them, and they're raising money, um, and they're posting up, their, you know, letting people understand how they can post for jobs there and make connections with their local teams. It just makes sense, right? Listen, we already wear PPE. It's a mouth guard. We have boots <laughs> on already. They know how to play in the dirt. Yeah. So I was like, this just makes perfect sense They're to not me. afraid to take a hit. They're not afraid to take a hit or to give one. Right. I can tell you, I was a tight head prop for 15 years, and my, you know, I could take it. I could take it. So I just think, wow, and it really dawned on me that I'm doing, if I don't do this, mm -hmm. I'm doing our ecosystem a disservice by not showing them that there's this amazing talent pool that they just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I mean, I looked over and there's like, you've got like women and men over at the booth, like all trying to find out what's going on. They're auctioning off some great stuff. I've had some calls from my friends in New Zealand that want to do the same thing. I'm a Black Friends fan, by the way. Ruby Chewy, Portia Woodman, <laughs> I see you and Muzzy. And uh, we want to do the same thing in other countries, right? Like, I know that we have to make this connection between construction and STEM and sports, especially women's rugby, for me, it's important. Yeah. No, I think it's a it's a great point, and uh, props to you for making that connection in your mind. No pun intended, prop, yeah. tighted prop, <laughs> there that was <you> go. good. <laughs> All right, and you, the, I'm biased, but uh, collegiate athletes, I think, are, they make the best. Did you play workers. college sports? I did, I was a swimmer. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! So, you know, you you have that that built-in yes. kind of dedication and determination. You, you have grit, like, yeah. right? Like, I mean, listen, and competitiveness too. Like, you have competitiveness. We're gonna go out there and we're gonna win this, no matter what it takes. And it's teamwork, you know. Like I always say at rugby, like my job was to suck in the defense and take all the crashes so that girls with nicer hair than me could score. You know, that's a joke <laughs> to all the backs, but you know, like I know strategy. I always say I'm a strategist because of my time mm -hmm. on the rugby field. I could, I had a great vision of the field, right? Mm -hmm. And I always knew I didn't want to run so much, so I was like trying to make the shortest points where I wanted to go and I see like even my daughter she has the same field vision and that yeah. transfers to business right like it transfers to the strategy yeah, absolutely. and I, I really do think that like I'm so so proud of like there's been some great donations including one by Autodesk which the construction cloud I'm so proud of that they've made to this and I think it's just it's a great organization and who doesn't want to support the Olympic team like you know the women's yeah. Olympic teams and all the little girls that are playing 
you know, down at like, even like five and six year olds are playing touch rugby and flag rugby. So mm-hmm. I'm really proud of them. I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's, I never, I've never done anything like that in, in a charity tie and I think it's really amazing. Yeah, definitely. Well, what's the response been uh-huh, from the industry of like seeing that connection made of something that they probably had total, that was not on the radar at all? I think it's so good. I mean, listen, we've had a bunch of contractors give great donations. Um, I could give a few shout outs if you want. It's up to, it's up to you. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to guilt anyone into giving great donations, but we've had a lot of great contractors give uh, very generous amounts. And I think, you know, it's funny as I describe it to people, they're like, that makes perfect sense. Like there's not one person that has said like, Oh, I don't really get it. Like everyone's just like, why didn't we think of this before? You know? And I was like, yeah, why didn't I think of it before? I mean, I played at University of Florida and like at Go Gators. And beyond that, and even I never thought of it until these girls on my kids' team, I was like, how do we have four welders? Like literally, and competing at like welding competitions and stuff around the yeah. US. It's not like they're just like doing some of them for fun. Mm-hmm. So, and I think they're everywhere. And, and it's the rugby connection and family is big anywhere around the world. And I think we've got to make sure that we're I don't know, we're making those connections. So every single person has come up to me and even the lacrosse players here and like other sports guys, they're like, this makes sense. And I'm like, yeah. And they've been really supportive. And so yeah, stop by the booth for sure. I'm right outside the exhibit hall and they'll be at the awards night tonight. They're actually auctioning off some, I I told them, I'm like, they're auctioning off like signed jerseys and like one of a kind things. And I'm like, what if I try to buy everything? Like what if, (laughs) I was like, would it be wrong if I was the tie bidder? So we know that you're the one to to I know, I am the one to be, like a U.S. women's like World Cup signed jersey that I feel like I need to go home with and Kathy Flores who was like really amazing in the sport um, who just passed away I'd put on she I have goosebumps talking about I got to put on her jacket actually that they are auctioning off I think and I was like and they have great like gear and I'm thinking to myself okay there's a few things there I've got to walk out of here with or I don't know so like I, I'm going to be running up the, the yeah, auction Be warned, be everybody. Warned. Yeah. i got to take my credit card out. Amy's I, rugby skills are going to be coming out. I know. Out. <laughs> I, might have to, I might have to tackle some people in order to get whatever. But it's amazing what they're doing. So it, thank you for bringing it up. It means so much to me. I think it's such a great thing for the industry, right? We need we need these people in our space. And it's funny. There was a guy on there today talking about, like, the fact that, like, well, welding's not so sexy. And, you know, and I said, I, like, I don't agree. 11, I looked up on TikTok today, 11 billion hashtags on welding on oh, TikTok. Yeah. Four young girls on my kids' team. Great girl. It's sexy to them. Like, they're welding. Like, there's a lot of these kids that are welding. So, I'm like, I just think we don't see. We're not mm-hmm. seeing the right ways to reach them and mm-hmm. we've got to get involved where they're at you know what I mean they're not coming to this conference they're on TikTok right they're probably well, on I think that's I don't why know. people don't see that as being sexy because they're they're not on those platforms I know they don't see it so they have blinders on yeah. I watch all kinds of welding things on TikTok and like 3d printing it's and all immensely kinds of fascinating it's fascinating <laughs> to me. I mean I have like uh, I think 15,000 you know followers on even TikTok which is kind of funny to me um you know I'm like I don't I do stuff on there and it's a little more personal than my YouTube channel or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or LinkedIn or Instagram. It gets slightly more personal, I think, as you get down to the TikTok level. But yeah. um, I, I think we've got to be where these people are. And that's, listen, 11 billion hashtags. I think it was, I think uh, Welding Life had like, I don't know, a billion or something. It was amazing, crazy. right? Yeah. Like, that's awesome. You got to be there. Yeah. So how do people find out more information and connect with you? I mean, listen, I'm accessible as You're everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> and like pretty much Queen of Prefab, my YouTube channel. I have a new website, thequeenofprefab.com. It's just mm-hmm. queenofprefab.com, um, which we just launched. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm every social media platform, Queen of Prefab, Amy Marks on LinkedIn, Queen of Prefab. Um, yeah, just find me. I want to be accessible. I always try to answer, you know, every mm -hmm. single question that comes over. I make connections for people there. That's. I'm always uh, amazed at how fast you respond. Are as you? Well too. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it's sleep very a impressive. lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of the neural diversity I have that I I don't want to leave it outstanding, and I I truly want people to get what they need. So. Mm -hmm. You know me, I look like I have a hard exterior. My, my daughter calls me like an M&M. She's like, you're hard on the outside, mommy, and super sweet and soft on the inside. Don't tell yeah. anybody. Um, but <laughs> It's just our secret. It's just our secret. So, But I want people to get what they need, right? Mm -hmm. I think if I don't answer, well, what happens? I don't want them to go without. And I feel like maybe that's the mom in me, but mm -hmm. um, I feel like I, I, it's my duty to make sure that we leave this better than we found it, right? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. All right, so last question for you. Okay. If I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing, <laughs> what would you pick to innovate? Well, I always say if I wave my Queen of Prefab magic wand, what would I give other, what would other people ask for? What would I ask for? I think we need to truly connect this ecosystem in real time. And I think that, you know, that kind of connectivity would really make the biggest difference in the world. And I think, you know, it's not just about, um, static data, we need to have like truly real-time connected data in the cloud like we're working on. And I think if I could wave my magic wand and go, today we got there in a short period of time instead of the evolution that mm -hmm. platforms go through, I would ask for that. So, because mm -hmm. I think Design Make as a platform, you know, is exactly the direction we need to go in and what everybody wants to do. So I just wanted to go faster, you know, mm -hmm. like I, the way I answer text messages, I want it to be that fast. You'd speed up time. <laughs> I would speed up time. I mean, I don't okay. want to get older. That's my, like I want to be this age, but snap my fingers yeah, and yeah. have it happen immediately. <laughs> That's my caveat. I like it. That's a good caveat. It's like caveat. asking for more wishes when you get three wishes. That's right. Like I feel like I just asked for more wishes. No, it, it counts. Okay, I'll, I'll allow it. Allow it. It's in there. Perfect. Well, Amy, always fun. Thanks so much. I for, love you guys. You guys are amazing. And this is a great podcast. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, challenge yourself on what you can do to make the expected experience of construction better. How can we reach the desired end state of productization and a custom experience at the same time? Second take, Amy makes a great point with digital waste directly leading and contributing to physical waste. If we care about eliminating the vast amount of waste on the job site, then we need to start with how we can clean up our digital workflows first. And final take, get creative when reaching out to new audiences for recruiting into the industry. I love Amy's passion for women's rugby players coming into construction industry. It provides a wonderful example of what we should be doing to partner with people that would make an excellent addition to this great industry. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.